The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello there, I'm your host Peter Strachan. Welcome to Stockhead's Rock Yarn. In the wake of COP26, investor attention has been drawn more closely towards new and low emission energy supply technologies. DeLorean Corporation is is leading the charge. Its activities address two important issues. It delivers power from waste biomass while also dealing with processing and recycling of municipal organic waste streams, while also brokering sales of low emissions power supply. To bring us up to date with the company's activities, we're delighted to welcome DeLorean's executive chair and co-founder, Hamish Jolly. Hamish, can you give the listener an overview of the company's current assets and growth activities? Yes. So um, over the last eight years, we built a, a fully integrated renewable energy business, which is, um, which is able to deliver from um, project engineering and building through project development, infrastructure ownership, and an energy retail company covering electricity and gas. So we started the journey here in Western Australia, but the lion's share of our uh, activity is on the Eastern States. Um, vertically integrated nature of the business means we can do everything under one roof. And where historically the business has been around um, uh, building anaerobic digestion plants or bioenergy plants for the production of energy, uh, electricity and gas um, for third parties, we've moved on to a, a, a program of work um, around infrastructure ownership. So, so fundamentally, last five years of profitability have been around uh, margins on EPC contracts and um, energy retail, particularly here in Western Australia. And the transition really in the pivot with our listing in April of this year is to trans- increase the scale of those, those activities, but move ourselves onto the, uh, the ownership of a pipeline of, of, of projects. So we've got yeah. a, a $200 million pipeline ahead of us. Um, some of that's in build. So we've got a project in build, one FID ready. Um, and we've got two projects coming on stream behind that over the next 12 months that are currently in development. So the whole, the whole um, shift in activities is around pivoting from uh, margins from EPC and retail contracts uh, and businesses through to annuity-based income streams from um, infrastructure ownership, specifically in renewable energy. So we listed listed April. We're one of what Stockhead described recently as twenty one of only twenty five true um, green energy stocks, and the only um, uh, ASX listed company leading in this bioenergy domain. Um, uh, particularly around biomethane, which I, I, I can talk about a little bit later on, but is um, but is 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 encountering a massive demand curve. So, I mean, you're you're, you're pivoting away from the uh, your your sort of foundation asset, if you like. But can you just explain to the listener how does anaerobic digestion work, and what are the revenue streams from those operations? Yeah, so anaerobic digestion, we, we, we're not. Uh, I wouldn't describe us as a tech play, although we've got IP in the work that we're doing. Anaerobic digestion is a mature tech. It's been used yeah. for for you know hundreds of thousands of years, really. But but commercially, uh, particularly out of Europe, UK and US, what we've been successful in is Australia, essentially Australianizing and getting getting these projects right size so that they're commercial in the Australian market. It's basically a big mechanical gut. So we're taking organic waste and agricultural waste streams, um, which might be supermarket food waste, um, bakery waste, cheese waste from commercial processing. Um, fruit and vegetable waste or even agricultural residues. Um, we put it into a, a, a tank array. So we process it, depackage it, 
get the contamination out, turn it into a slurry, put it into a big mechanical uh, tank, which is stirring and heating it. Um, we, we deprive it of oxygen and we capture the biogas. So biogas is about 50 to 60% methane. And there's a whole range of pathways that we can, um, we can process that. Biogas um, can run through generators for power and heat or electricity to grid. We can upgrade biogas to biomethane and biomethane can go to mains grade. And in fact, we've got a project which will inject um, biomethane to the mains to displace uh, fossil fuel. So the revenues are basically from, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting infrastructure model because where you might be used to in renewables, um, wind or solar, where you build the asset, the wind blows or the sun shines and you've got an offtake and you get a, what, an 8% yield or some, some yield on your capital with a little bit of management. We're build, building businesses that take organic waste that would otherwise go to landfill um, and we're processing that. So we get a revenue stream on the, on the um, acceptance of, of organic waste, the dumping fee, and we get a revenue stream on the energy. We even get um, a revenue stream potentially out of the biofertilizer or the byproduct from this process, which has got agricultural and horticultural value. Um, so our projects uh, uh, um, uh, involve a much higher uh, internal rate of return than you'd normally expect from a, uh, a renewable energy asset. And we're delivering baseload because we're producing gas, which generates electricity or heat or biomethane at, uh, at a continuous rate. Yeah, so you're getting three sources of revenue. You get people pay you to take the stuff away. You're producing electricity, which you use to power your plant and you can sell the excess. And then you potentially can sell the mulch or the compost which comes out of it. Is it a batch process or can you run it continuously or do you run a series of, of containers in sequence? Uh, it's, a, it's a continuous process. So what we're basically doing is we're almost snack feeding. You can imagine snack feeding 24 hours a day, small bites into a stomach. Um, that's once we seed the digester, it continues, the asset life's 25 years. So once we seed the digester, the methanogens um, and the biology grows inside the digester, it just keeps processing, which is why we're able to do a baseload. So we can run baseload power um, into the grid, which is the kind of, uh, the, the kind of energy that, uh, that the grid likes. Um, yeah, so it's continuous. To, that's correct. Yeah, as, compa as compared to, say, a solar array without a battery, which is which is squirting energy into the grid uh, at adult times when the sun's shining. Yeah, I was uh, once on a dairy farm in Kenya, and they had a big digester digester that took all the slurry from the dairy farm, and they used the methane that came from that to to run everything and provide power and water for all of the workers. So I know exactly what you're talking the about. same process, Peter. Mm. And, and interestingly, you know that's the resilience of this technology. It's not. Um, it's it's really robust and mature. This this uh, the, the idea of taking organic waste, processing it, and getting biogas or biomethane from it is is you know it's centuries old. Yeah. So Hamish, are there any issues with the with the gas in terms of its energy content or the odor or anything like that you have to deal with? You said it was only about fifty percent methane of the the biogas. Yeah, fifty to sixty percent. So um, we're, we're operating this in a control because we've got control of the tanks. The temperature, etc. We can keep a really stable process. Um, the gas comes off wet, so all we've got to do is dry it up, and it's ready to go into a biogas generator. So you can generate power from that from that biogas, notwithstanding the sort of forty percent CO two component. But the real opportunity is in biomethane. So we're in a situation now where the the um, users of of gas, fossil fuel gas, have to find a pathway to decarbonisation, and hydrogen is coming, and there's a lot of talk about hydrogen but it's not here yet and it's out of the money and probably will be for some time. 
biomethane is price competitive with fossil fuel now. We can produce it to a quality to put it into um, the mains and our Adelaide project that's in that pipeline that I spoke about um, does exactly that under an, uh, an offtake agreement to a retailer. Um, and we can, uh, we can basically displace fossil fuel for the uh, essentially a price equivalent of slight premium to current fossil fuel prices. So um, biomethane's here and now, and we're, we're getting a massive amount of demand, not just from the pipeline operators, but the retailers and even going upstream to hungry gas users in industry. And the recent Brickworks announcement that we, uh, we made uh, about three weeks ago is a good example of that. Yeah, so the um, the gas just goes into a reciprocating engine as a to uh, to run a generator in that case, or or you can actually put the gas into a pipeline and send it to a customer. Can do both. So we can we can put it into a reciprocating generator for production of heat and power behind the meter, so on site. We can export electricity to grid, and we can uh, upgrade to biomethane. So there's a number of different pathways for energy from from the single asset. And does the gas smell, or do you have to deal deal with that? Not from a, uh, I mean, the gas needs to be, gas needs to be odorised when it goes into the gas network, um, but we don't have any issues with odour in terms of environmental approval because the, the process is all contained. We, we receive the waste inside of a reception shed, fast closing doors connected to a biofilter and negatively sealed, negatively pressured, so, um, so, so air only goes into the biofilter. Um, everything else beyond that is trapped in, in, uh, in tanks and pipes and going through the generators, so there is no odour. We, um, we, we're successful in getting the Adelaide project, uh, an Adelaide project uh, over the line at the epicentre of a commercial food park with, um, with offices and, and, uh, and manufacturing premises all around and a kind of a, what you might call light industrial quasi-commercial food park uh, with neighbours on every boundary, basically. Yeah, so it's pretty environmentally friendly. So you spoke about the company's infrastructure division and it's got approximately $200 million worth of owned and operated projects at various stages of design, development, conceptual planning. How does DeLorean work with the Planum partners to fund projects and how does the Australian Gas Infrastructure Group collaborate uh, with the company? Yes, so... um, so, um... Obviously, moving into the infrastructure domain, we needed to find a pathway to capitalise that didn't rely on, uh, on, on the overhang of, of tapping the market um, continuously. At the start, obviously, we've needed to do that to get ourselves moving, but the, but the idea is to, to mitigate the requirement as far as possible from, um, from, the, from going back to market, uh, notwithstanding that capital that comes from the market goes straight into value accretive assets. But we, um, the pathway there was to um, appoint planning partners as advisors to put the project finance package together across this $200 million portfolio. So we're now in a, in a, in a structured arrangement courting um, debt, uh, infrastructure debt and uh, an equity and um, shareholder loan type, type finance to basically underpin this entire pathway for um, infrastructure development. Um, we're starting with the first two assets that we've got underway. But it, it, it would appear likely that a platform will evolve where we are in a position to basically develop projects, bend them into a platform with a limited amount of, uh, of, of cash contribution to maintain a, a really good uh, uh, equity share. And, um, and then we'll enjoy the benefits of these high yielding infrastructure assets and free cash flows from dividends over the years. And you get some payment for your intellectual property or so as well. Yeah, I think uh, we we would get that. Uh, we the benefit of being vertically integrated is we would uh, develop the project and get a reward for that. We would build yeah. the projects and get the reward for that. And in in many cases, we would be uh, handling the uh, energy retail off the back end 
to maximize the value for the project, but also get some benefit from that. So this is where the vertically integrated model uh, works really well. In relation to AGIG, um, the collaboration that we've formed under an MOU with them. Um, so AGIG are very keen, as are the other network operators, to decarbonize the network. Um, so we've uh, we've got a collaboration with them, A, to, um, to do the offtake for that Adelaide project that I mentioned, um, but B, to look at um, where they would like to see biomethane injected into their national uh, pipeline um, for co-location, strategic um, greenfield co-location of, of our plants, but equally where we've got our projects and we've got a contiguous or nearby um, AGIG gas network to be able to... Um, to connect up and uh, and go go down the biomethane route, so it's a really exciting pathway. So, as the company now stands, Hamish, uh, what sort of annuity revenue is currently being generated from operated and owned sort of legacy projects, if you like, through and your your energy retailing and other sources? You know that would include your dumping fees, sale of electricity, and sale of mulch sort of compost products and so forth. So our, our current revenue still reflects where where we were when we were when we listed. Insofar as uh, we're still reliant while we build these assets over the, the next eighteen months uh, on the EPC margins from construction of projects for uh, third parties, and we've got two of those under construction at the moment, and we're awaiting the outcome of a uh, of a tender um, that we're hopeful for uh, in, in the near future. Um, so that the uh, the lion's share of the the revenue is coming from there or from our retail business. Um, predominantly in Western Australia, but now shifting east. So we've signed our first customer um, in the eastern states in Victoria um, very recently, and we're just applying now for our gas licences for the east. So um, it will, our revenues will and our EBIT will really be derived for the next 18 months from our historical sources, and our first project will come on stream expected in the next 12 months, um, and then the annuity-based income stream start from there. Yeah, so are you currently covering your corporate costs or is that something down the track? No, we have always done that. So for five years five years of profitability, um, we reported an underlying EBITDA for FY22 um, that was positive. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're managing our, our overheads uh, in the context of this growth phase, understanding that we're putting uh, capital now into a lot of development work. Um, but uh, but, but we're, uh, we're, we're keeping our head above water in, as far as... Uh, maintaining EBIT at this point. Okay. So, um, Hamish, you spoke about your engineering, procurement and construction activities uh, and the things that you're doing over East. What's DeLorean's advantage, you know, sort of business advantage in this area? Yeah, I think what we've been able to crack, there are very few, if any, um, who are um, executing as extensively as we are around anaerobic digestion in Australia. Um, and I think what we've been able to crack is um, we've been able to Australianise this anaerobic digestion technology by cloning what we saw in Europe that's been successful, but Australianising it. Now, I mean, what I mean there is packaged plant and equipment, skid-based technology and, and containerised technology, um, panel tanks uh, fabricated so that we can put them up on site, rattle them up on site, and doing it as a Meccano set build. So we start... We, we're fully across the engineering, but we start from the commercial side and look what capex we can make work in the context of the um, the organic waste in a certain area, the associated market for that, and the gate fees, and where we can just dis- discharge the energy or export the energy for money. For money, um, we start there, and then we 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 set the capex to 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 fit that. So we've been able to get um, projects built now that are economic. Um, where that hasn't been possible before, and that's largely around our capability to 
to do this Meccano set type build and uh, and the associated IP attached to that. Yeah. So uh, it's fair to say you were t- you're speaking about your business model, which is to you know, get a fee for the engineering procurement and construction phase and retain equity in a project which gives you some sort of ongoing annuity income. That's correct. That's that's correct. And what sort of intellectual property has the company established over the years? I think uh, the, the the main one would be the track record we we've been able to uh, achieve. With, you know, in the context of building these right size Meccano set systems, we've got IP around the um, around the, the 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 methods of construction, but also the motor control systems and the way that we set these things up to automate, um, so that they you know minimise the uh, the the staff etc. We've also got technology around the construction of a particular type of uh, stainless steel tank that's spiral wound, and we've worked out a way to um, to wind these tanks in a double bunded way, um, which uh, minimises the requirement for civils, which reduces reduces capex for bunding, etc. So yeah. there's a bit that goes to it, but I, I think the, um, the the real the real advantage that we currently hold, and I, I would say we're a number of years ahead, is that we're we're moving um, in a market that's that's historically been quite inert. And still carries a level of inertia. So finally, Hamish, can I ask you what keeps you awake at night about the business and where you see the most opportunity for growth locally, overseas, into renewable power, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think um, I think the main thing is that we are we, we, we've got the tiger by the tail, Peter, and um, and as we move into infrastructure, there's more there's more opportunity in a greenfield than we can manage. Um, as I said, the biomethane, the gas sector is knocking the door down, looking for biomethane and uh, and really, our, our what keeps me up at night is how how quickly we can we can uh, move in a, an environment where the demand is just going off the scale, um, and make sure that we've got um, managed growth and we've got the right platform for capitalisation to make that all work uh, like clockwork. Um, I would say that's probably the main thing. It's um, the right people and the training that goes behind riding the, riding the tiger, basically. Yeah. Uh, but it's incredibly exciting, and you know, it's really great to be uh, you know. I wouldn't say we're at the. I mean, we are pioneering this this sector in Australia, and it's really exciting to be able to do that. And you know, uh, we stand up sort of three, four, five of these plants. The inertia around this whole marketplace will 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 change, and um, you know, we'll really see bioenergy as a force here in Australia. Well, Hamish, that's right. You've once you've got those uh, demonstration plants, you'll have people knocking your door down. So, Hamish Jolly, uh, thank you for bringing DeLorean Corporation into. Stockhead today and uh, we've enjoyed that rock yarn and I'm sure the uh, listener will be uh, much educated about the uh, the project and, and where you're going over the next 6 to 12 months. That's great Peter, really appreciate the opportunity to be on Stockhead. 